0: So much easier before. Hey, Mark. Hello. We're here to talk about uh, digital literacy. So, specifically, uh, we're going to start with talking about how digital literacy impacts learning, uh, and we can speak obviously from the for training assessment um, but this came to a header because of an experience you had recently we'd like to talk us through that experience
1: yeah so i recently ran an online tae course uh, strangely enough and in it we had probably about three or four individuals that uh, were limited in what they could actually do in terms of using a computer. Now, I had the literal extreme where I had two students that had never used a computer before, that even purchased a computer for the sake of the course. And I thought, this is quite out there, and this certainly tested my patience, my skills to support other learners, and um, it really was quite confronting, because these students were struggling Other people were noticing, so how do I manage that tension in the room? And then also how do I support these learners that are in an online learning environment that is quite foreign and potentially quite intimidating for them as well so i guess um us as um as spec training we got together we started to have conversations around this topic and it really sparked some new ideas but also some self-reflection on what are we doing as an organization how can we help people what is plausible what's affordable and all these different things that um, came into play with digital literacy Mm. so
0: while we've had uh, people who might have had Digital literacy issues in the past. Usually, it's one out of a you know more than a hundred. Now we very quickly looked at our processes. We do have a, a set of digital literacy questions in our um, enrolment process to see what people can and can't do. And they do have to say they can use Microsoft Word, save documents, save things into um, uh, into a, a Word doc, like a graphics and things like that. So they do have to self reflect and uh, self assess before they even enter the program. Uh, An issue we had here was that they were put onto the course quite late and we didn't have time to then reflect on that until now. But it also did make us look at uh, ways we can support the learners both during training uh, and before training. So on the screen now, I'm gonna put up uh, three links to training courses that we would recommend to people who don't have any digital literacy right now. So feel free to share those around. Everything from Microsoft Essentials through to um, just basically using computers and the internet. So these are things that we would consider as foundation skills for someone undertaking a training assessment qualification. But there are others out there who say, well, we don't really need to be particularly digitally literate to do our jobs. What would you say to them?
1: My response would be, what if? what if one day someone comes to you and says, I need you to deliver this course that you're running face-to-face and I need you to deliver it online? Or what if um, you have to present someone else's PowerPoint? What if? And I think there's so many, um, I'm going to be crude and I'm going to say, let's bring it back to uh, the uh, dimensions of competence. Yeah. And I'm gonna say there's task skills, there's task management skills, there's contingency management, there's job role and environment skills and so if you're going to deliver training you need to be able to do it in multiple formats in multiple different ways and it's not just about standing up and um, speaking necessarily it's about building in technology and different tools and tactics to be able to deliver your message effectively and again crudely it is in the units of competency in the foundation skills actually does mention your ability to work with technology so over time i think we're going to have more and more of a focus on i guess effective and deliberate application of technology in the workplace and i think certainly yes let's go timely Covid, the pandemic there's been a strong drive towards delivering training online and i think a lot of trainers are having an identity forced shift. It's like I could only deliver face to face and that would be okay. But now because of, I guess, company budgets and also seeing online training as a new alternative, there's a new pressure and a new reality that all trainers now facing. It's like, well, I could be great in the face to face environment, but if I don't get my skills up in the online delivery um, mode as well, then I'm going to fall behind. So I think these days, even my 16-year-old daughter can use PowerPoint better than I can. Mm. I'm getting old, but I think we need to, as trainers, um, stay up with the times and having that open, um, openness to learn new things is so important um, as TA trainers, but also just trainers in general have to have that willingness to learn, ability to adapt, and um, yeah, hunger to stay one step ahead of everything that's going on. So, we, we want to maybe pass this down into
0: three different parts, so mm-hmm. to speak. The first part is from an RTO's perspective. So, uh, talking with Andrew Shea at the ITECA conference recently, he mentioned that only about 4% of RTOs out there uh, don't deliver training in a digital space. In other words, they um, may be on site doing operate, operator uh, training and things like that where there is no interaction using anything um, digital. Uh, now, that's So that means the other 96% of RTOs out there do. And as always, we're training trainers to have, as you said, a transferable skill. So therefore, we don't want them to train for the 4%. We want to train for the 96% of of possible employers out there who uh, need them to have this skill set, even at the level that not only is um, maybe talked about in the units of competency, but uh maybe a desire built in during the training that takes them to the next step so that's from an rto perspective the next perspective i want to take is the students Mm. because uh you know if you come into a course uh with a high level of digital literacy a lot of this stuff will just flow past you and everything's fine but if you do come home with uh, maybe just the essential amount then that could be a struggle for you so we'll talk about that and then finally from a trainer's perspective uh, so as a trainer, what do I need to do to ensure my digital literacy is not only up to speed with the basics, but taking us to maybe another step above that? Uh, where's our desire to learn gone? You know, mm. where, what can we actually do? Where can we find things out? But we'll also try and find some um, information for you, and we'll talk about it, where you as a trainer can also get some uh, more advanced skills in digital literacy. So my question then is from a, from an RTO's perspective, why should RTO's ensure that their systems are in place to uh, improve the digital literacy of their students and of their staff?
1: Uh, so for students, let's tie it back to the standards for RTO's 2015. And let's say there is an obligation in regards to supporting students for access and equity. Very simple one Uh, in regards to also students and uh, making sure that they feel comfortable to go through a course if you can capture that information and their levels before they enroll and as they're enrolling that's going to give the trainer more advanced warning as to what kind of support will be required. Uh, And I think any time that within the course materials, you can actually build in how-to videos for how to use Word or how to use the different uh, tools and platforms that are being used for the learning to actually be done on. Um, I know at Spec Training, we have um, how-to videos within Moodle. We also have um, how-to cheat sheets uh, that uh, trainers have provided to learners um, to navigate Moodle and different things like that. We're not going to just get you to go through a course but we're going to show you how to get through the course on the tools and platforms that we provide. Mm.
0: So uh, again from an RTO's perspective we really do need to stay one step ahead mm. of changes uh, and we also need to provide uh, the support to the students. So you mentioned the how-to videos um, with no less credit to yourself and also uh, Raj Paul one of our mm. other staff who's uh, who said you know we really need to figure out how we're going to uh, support students when they've maybe got a minimal exposure to a lot of this information or a lot of these skills. So yeah, you got me starting to create uh, videos that take people from opening a Word document all the way through to creating a, a complete learner guide, then taking that learner guide and how to create a complete PowerPoint from that learner guide. So those videos have been created mainly for the diploma students But also in the cert Four, we have a lot of how to videos, uh, how to save documents when you're creating them, what not to do, don't Mm -hmm. open PDF documents in, uh, in browsers, because they don't save and things like that. So there's a lot of these little things that we can do to support students, but also, uh, as an RTO, make sure that all our trainers, all our admin staff, everyone knows uh, what level of support we do provide, Mm -hmm. and also what level of technology we're going to support as well. We did get exposed to, and I love it when people do this, they share on LinkedIn and and other um, social media platforms, what sort of um, new software's out there. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a great Australian company called Canva, who's got a great um, reputation. I had a look at that. uh, Some... People from one of my PD sessions was actually uh, really ranting about it or raving about it. I should say not ranting, raving about it. And it was, it was great. It looks good, uh, really simple to use. Um, so I looked into it. Uh, other things like uh, Captivate and um, Storyline, a lot of people raved about it. So I looked into it. You know, these things we can use uh, for our online learning. And, and so as an RTO, we are always learning about new technology or existing technology that uh, can be better used by trainers. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in the position to be training trainers, would we? Mm. So that's the RTO's perspective. Uh, Of course, there's a lot more in it. Uh, There's compliance as well, as you said, with the standards. But but at the very outset, an RTO really should embrace not just the current technology and what's needed now, but look um, years ahead potentially at what is coming um, what do we need to do to get ready for that? Uh, I just had our interview meeting with uh, my fellow director and we talked about, um, 3d cameras, virtual reality and augmented reality. Uh, there's some amazing products coming out. How are we going to include that in the trainer's toolbox? Do we need to, uh, and things like that. So that's all coming. And I'm mm. quite excited about that because I am a bit of a technophile. I love technology. However, I know that I've got to try really hard to keep up to speed already because I'm not a, digital native. You're not a digital native. Our kids are, um, and our kids' kids will be, <laughs> you know, but, um, but at this stage, they're not. And, uh, and I know you've talked before about, and we're going to get into students now, uh, that some students, uh, it's really a generational thing. So in five or 10 years time, this isn't really going to be something we talk a lot about. Mm. Uh, so let's go into students now. Um, you mentioned that uh, really difficult process you went through um, a few weeks ago, uh, but you did have a satisfactory outcome. So so maybe talk how you managed to do that. Uh, Also, maybe some of the communication you had with the people who already had a level of digital literacy, Um, just to give people an idea that, you know, how as a trainer you deal with that on the fly. And then uh, also how your students responded to you.
1: I think the number one thing that I had to keep in mind was patience and empathy. And so very early on in the session, um, I didn't have much warning, but um, early on in the session, I did set up the frame that we are here to support each other and we're going to give grace, care, compassion to each other, regardless of what the challenges are that we're going to go through. So... Um, And I also got other people involved as well. So if someone says, oh, how do I save a document? I said, all right, anyone out there in the group that um, knows um, some simple instructions I can give the student on how to do that and we work collaboratively as a group Uh, and I also as much as I could showed on my screen how to do different things and uh, I think the number one thing with online delivery is my attitude of no one gets left behind No one ever gets left behind. So if we're doing a task, I'm not going to move on until everyone's on the same page. And I'm going to make sure that, yes, we've got a lot of things to do, but uh if you're part of the crew you're part of the group we're going to be there to support you and it also comes back to all right in break times checking in with people how are you going what are you doing uh were you able to do the last thing that we just did and it may also be a case of sending through a template of something and then uh which has some things already pre-filled out and getting people to fill in the blanks uh maybe uh, going through the course and then saying to someone, if you've get if you've gotten lost, that's fine. We'll have another one on one session after the day's session, mm-hmm. and we'll re go through things. Or we actually record the session um, as a um, special favor for the learner and then say "All right, we'll send you through the session and you'll be able to review it in your own time because maybe you're doing something like saving a document for the very first time and you don't want to hold everyone up Mm. so there's a lot of different strategies that you can use and it's just all about creating that atmosphere of yes we're all here to learn we are all at different paces and what you can do in the session you're doing the session but if it does get to a point where someone just can't keep up i did say at some point just observe and just feel comfortable with what's going on mm. know that there's no pressure to do anything just watch and that's all that that person was capable of doing mm. and uh that's okay and i'll set up follow-up sessions with that you know person and other people as well but i think it's all about the commit the care the communication and knowing that we're not going to judge them mm. no matter where they're at that's where they're at. And as, um, once, um, great philosopher said, in order to be a master, we all had to be a disaster. And so when we first start out, we all make mistakes. And once, you know, we've gotten to a certain point in our skills, but we were once at a point where we didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And so, using zoom for the first time yeah it was scary it was crazy but um you know we had to get ourselves um step out of our comfort zone and do it but i think as long as we remember to be patient caring and empathetic then a session um can always have that air of um care and comfort for our learners but it certainly is challenging so I how, th- how
0: did the, sorry to break in mm-hmm. but how did the students actually respond mm-hmm. so uh yeah so we're talking about the students at the moment um What was their response to you? And you'd had uh, responses at two different extremes, really, or not extremes, but at two different uh, levels of digital literacy. So maybe talk through what the students actually said.
1: Both sides said, thank you. Mm. Both sides were very, um, yeah, also impressed with um, how patient we were as an organization in the front end, but also during the session, they were very appreciative of how supportive we were and uh, they had self-awareness as to the kind of extra requirements they were putting on us, which was great. So they acknowledged me for my patience and uh, very very happy mm. at so the end of it.
0: A, Let's put ourselves into, and this is something I love to do. So empathy is mm. huge. As a trainer, empathy is huge. We know that. Uh, if we put ourselves into the shoes of someone who comes onto a course and suddenly they realize, oh hell, I don't have the digital literacy to be doing this. Uh, that puts a lot of stress on them. It, it won't embarrass them, but it could. Mm. So have a think about the feelings they're going through. This is something you do very well and something I know that our other trainers do very well. So if you are a trainer, then put yourself in the shoes of the, of the student who may be undergoing those feelings. What would you like to have said or done during a course? So don't uh, point out when you're doing something wrong or don't hold everyone else up saying, oh, we'll just wait for Jane, you know? Mm. Definitely no, none of that sort of thing. So dealing with it the way you did, and I know in the past we've had a, a couple, not many, but a couple of people in similar situations. And again, offering that uh, external support as well, uh, I remember talking to students on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, talking them off the edge because they, as I said, that, that emotion is quite extreme and they can feel really like they've, um, you know, embarrassed and they do shut down and, and this position is not something I want to be in. You know, how you treat that person is, is everything. When they do get to that point where they can do the basics, then they start to come along with the rest of the course. And this is the exciting thing about it. It doesn't take that long. No. It only takes a little bit of exposure into the digital world before you start to understand that. A digital screen to a lot of people is a 2D thing. Mm. And so when they, they can see something on there, then they understand it. But as soon as it goes missing from that 2D screen, they don't know where it's gone. Yes. Whereas someone who's maybe more digitally literate realizes that it's just behind that document or in front of that document or or you've reduced it or something yes. like that. And, and that is a big panic point for a lot of people. Oh, where's my screen gone? And you'll hear that a lot. Uh, and so we've created, as you said, the how-to videos that go through you know, setting yourself up in Zoom as a presenter and the real basics about you know, using some of the, the basic shortcut keys to find those screens again mm. and what it actually means. They've not disappeared, they are just shrunk down or they've gone behind the, the, um, the screen that you're looking at. And that's, uh, that's a real shift in the way people look at a screen especially if they're not familiar with it. So people, like you said, who've only got a computer for the first time, mm. it's not a TV.
1: Yes.
0: You know, it's not a 2D thing. It's a it's not really a 3D thing either, but the, there's things that happen behind the screen you might be looking at.
1: I just want to tie back something that you said there about where's my screen. I think that's a great thing because so many people will go through that. I think for me, a big aha moment or a big um, shift that I had was when I had two screens because I realized that I could work on a document, I could deliver content at the same time. So shifting from one screen to two screens, that was a big breakthrough for me. Mm -hmm. Something small, but a big breakthrough for me. So I do encourage all of our students that um, go through our online courses to have two screens. Mm -hmm. If you can get two screens, it makes going through any course so much easier. So what would I suggest that trainers say to students? Um, Essentially, I would really recommend A, don't single people out. Mm -hmm. B, um, keep reminding people that we are all in the same boat. Um, And remind uh, people that we, in life, we all learn from our mistakes. And with digital literacy, that's particularly the case that uh, we often need to learn what not to do with digital literacy by Making a few mistakes, few errors here and there. And I think, where's my screen or where's my thing or I've just saved it in the wrong place or all those kind of things. Um, unfortunately, there is that learning period, but we learn through all the um, inconvenience um, and all the things that we do wrong. Mm-hmm. So, Um, I would just say to a trainer, um, keep being patient, um, and, um, you know, sing the Smurf song in the background, whatever you need to do to just be calm and, um, you know, project patience to your learners. But also just know that, um, at the end of the day, if something can't be done in the online session, just create a time later on for that to be completed one-on-one with the trainer and, uh, create that sense of um, ease and create a sense of, it's okay, we'll get through it.
0: Yeah, so that actually raises something we didn't talk about in the RTO section, which is cost. Mm. Uh, the cost of delivering it um, goes or explodes basically if we start to have to um, deal with uh, separate courses run or separate sessions run with trainers and, and, uh, and students online. But we do have to factor that in. I think if you are a trainer, uh, and you do care about your students' outcome, then that's something you have to factor into your time. Um, and if you uh, are a smart trainer, maybe you can get three or four students to turn up at once who are all in the same boat if you have that as a possibility. So that's just something to reduce costs. Uh, another thing is to obviously the screening process which we've talked about in the past. Um, the, the last step really is trainers themselves but before we get to that, um, there's two there's one thing but across both educators, and students that we really need to try and forge which or foster, which is self, self-accountability, mm. um, that desire to actually improve yourself. As a trainer, that's fine. We've got our requirements under the RTO standards to continually professionally develop, and there's so many resources out there. But as a student, how do we get across to them the importance of being accountable for your own digital literacy improvement?
1: Mm. It's, it's, I think, A, having the resources available. So being able to let learners know that there are videos on the platforms. Uh, Also um, letting them know technological advances that are coming and let them know what uh, may be required within their industry also tips tricks um, and things that you can use when um, delivering online or um, being a student online and maybe some different uh, learning strategies but i think also ultimately being a great role model for your learners and sharing your own personal journey with technology uh, what you struggle with and then uh also letting them know about new things that you've learnt letting them know um what's working for you what's not working and uh, if you are um discovering new tools let them know mm. but also b- encouraging them um, prior to using new technology, going online, watching YouTube clips, making notes of things and actually having a go. Because I really um, want to encourage anyone that's doing presentations online, go and watch videos on how to use Zoom. If your company wants you to deliver presentations on Teams, go and watch videos on how to do that. If you are got to you know, use Captivate, go and watch some videos on how to use it. And I think it's all about the mentality of, okay, I've got to do this task. I need to prep myself to be able to do the task and do it well. And I think it's pride in execution.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, we're a vocational education company mm. and vocation means job. Yes. You've got to prepare yourself for the next job. Yes. You know, uh, do your own job right now very well, um, but prepare yourself to where that job's going to be in five years time. Um there were some great, uh, in fact, you probably recall uh, 15 to 20 years ago, the jobs that were um, the top five jobs that were going to be filled by students who are graduating school didn't even exist at that point in time. And that has proven to be true. Mm. The number one thing kids want to do when they graduate now is be a YouTuber. Right. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: That didn't exist. Right. The smartphone only came out in 2007, you know, wow. and now you can't tear it off people. Mm. So uh it's progressing whether we like it or not there's a lot of those uh, people who don't like it and that's fine um it's a completely personal choice but in this vocation Mm. it it pays to actually try and stay at least up with the changes and then even more so if you're training trainers to be uh, a few steps ahead as well what is coming how can we use it do we need to use it yeah like not all technology needs to be used in every situation uh there's going to be a lot of trainers out there say well we don't ever do this. We don't actually deliver anything via Zoom anymore. Since the pandemic sort of eased, we've gone back to classrooms and everything's fine, thanks very much. And that's great. What technology do you use and what can you make better? I mean, you don't go into a classroom these days and still see an old overhead projector. No, Um, It's gone to, you know, smart boards were around almost 20 years ago. Mm. You know, they were smart boards and now you've got, uh, you know, people don't use projectors anymore. That's all big TVs because they Mm. became so much cheaper. So there, there is change all mm. the time. Um, how do you do that? How do you actually keep up with that? And what do you need to keep up with? You don't need to know what the difference between a DVI and an HDMI cable is. <laughs> you know, you don't need to know that. You just need to know that this plugs into here and yeah. I can use it. Mm. Uh, and, and that's probably the extent to what, trainers, uh, to what trainers need to know versus maybe what is coming in the next five years. Uh And really don't overthink it. What is coming might be exciting to some people, not really apply to your role. So look at your own role. Look at where you want to be in five years. What technology do you think is going to come in and talk to people, go to conferences, talk to other trainers, what do they see? Mm. And this is where you're going to get a lot of your uh, information from. And I've I've always believed that. Attend every conference you can, uh, talk to people in your industry, talk to people outside your industry, find out what is happening and, and what can we do better. Just briefly, and I probably want to end on this, is uh, learning management systems. Mm. okay? From a trainer's point of view, learning management systems are updated regularly, whether it's a change in learning management system or student management system, or it's a, uh, a an update to the existing one. Uh, we're seeing in this year um, a change from uh, to Moodle 4.0, which is fantastic. It's kind of finally sort of catch up to where maybe Cloud Assess and, and Accelerate and these other platforms have already been. Uh, but that's one example of a change. And as a trainer, you're suddenly in a new environment. If you're used to change, then that's not going to be such a shock. But if you go, no, I just want to do it my way, <laughs> then you know, it's going to be a struggle in your vocation, mm. in your job, to be able to change and, and adapt to that. So be adaptable. Yes. That's something to take away. Uh, other than that, digital literacy, prepare for it. Uh, advocate it and also be uh when you say advocate be a role model for other trainers as well
1: mm, definitely
0: okay well thanks very much mark i think we'll uh, uh, finish up on this topic now but the next topic i'd love to talk to you about will be the good old rto standards not the whole lot that'll be too long but we are going to maybe look at standard one sounds good okay thanks Dan. so i'll see you guys uh, soon and we'll talk about the standards in the next video and podcast uh If you did want to get any of the links, we're going to share it in the podcast notes, of course. And if you're watching this on YouTube, then it'll be in the description. Uh, We'll see you soon.